0: Welcome to the Red Life Podcast, a podcast about living as a socialist in this world. I'm your host Kieran Fatima here with my co-host Moxie. If you like what you hear and want some bonus content, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash red life podcast. Today, we're talking about self-care, or the idea of self-care. It is generally a very liberal term, and it has been used as a way to promote consumerism. But today, we're going to discuss what it means, what its roots are, and is there a way that we can get something out of it. So say hello to my co-host, Moxie. Hi, everybody. Today, we decided to talk about self-care because it's a topic that comes up in activist circles. And we wanted to see if there's a way that we could do a Marxist analysis of the term and of the concept. Wikipedia, the ultimate liberal dictionary, says that self-care is any necessary human regulatory function which is under individual control, deliberate and self-initiated. This is according to the Health and Canadian Society Sociological Perspectives published by the University of Toronto Press. So while it's a bourgeois pastime in terms of self-care, we th- when we think of self-care, we think of people, generally middle class, generally white mm-hmm. people, taking baths with bath bombs and um, (laughs) going going on spa days and things like that. But, you know, my question when I first thought of this idea was, is there something we as organizers, as socialists can take away from the idea of self-care? Is there something that we need to pay attention to? And how do we make self-care for people who care about others? How do we turn self-care into communal care? Moxie, what do you think?
1: Well, I think, I think you're right. I think that when we think of self-care living in a capitalist society, in particular, living in a capitalist society, we think of like those, those pictures that are on like ad campaigns of like people lying in a bed of flowers and, you know, all of that stuff costs so much money in our society, right? So we're getting bombarded with this idea of like spend, 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 spend. So basically we have self-care under capitalism, this liberal term, like you mentioned. And I'm just going to do a little quote that, um, that I pulled up in, in an article, uh, the Socialist Revolution article. It's a great article. And it says self care culture, whose proponents are primarily liberal leaning and openly embrace the language of mental health. This subculture suggests measures such as splurging, treating yourself, adjusting your diet and exercise habits, drinking water, seeking therapy, meditating. Living holistically and thinking positively. Oh, anyway, don't get me started on that one. As solutions to the rising rates of depression and anxiety. So, in this liberal culture, this, 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 uh, section out of this article is basically saying, like, yeah, if you can't do all of these splurging type therapeutic type things that we're telling you are good, then you're going to get depressed and have tons of anxiety. And of course, we will, but, You know, depression and anxiety has to do with living in, in capitalism as well as we already, you know, know that. So basically, in this idea of liberal self-care, the liberal idea of self-care, the responsibility is placed on us. We need to fix our own depression and our own anxiety as individuals and not that collective care that you mentioned. So instead of coping with these larger systemic issues, that collectively work to make sure that health and wellness of the whole population is in order, we're instead burdened. It becomes a burden on us as individuals to fix ourselves. And if you don't have money, oh boy, right? Right. You know, I think it goes into this idea, Kieran. like what's wrong with this liberal individualized responsibility of self-care? So, if only people would treat themselves better, then perhaps they would feel better. Yeah. Like, everything's about money too, right? It's like, okay. Well, it's also,
0: it's also an idealism. It's an anti-materialist point of view. So the idea, you know, we are materialists, but the idea of self-care in the liberal, in in the liberal milieu is very idealist. It's based on that first you have to think positively and then life Hmm. becomes better, you know? Instead totally. of actual reality, which goes in the other direction. First, your life becomes better, and then you're able to think positively. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, it's completely the opposite of material reality.
1: Mm-hmm. And that actually, you know, that the positivity culture and the positivity thinking stuff, it's so connected with the liberal idea of self-care. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, positivity culture makes me absolutely fucking insane, like honest to God. You know, you can see, you know, for instance, my partner has a lot of chronic pain, a ton of chronic pain. And there was this positivity culture type person that she ran into one time who was a neighbor of ours. This is a few years ago. And um, she was talking about how she has to have surgery and she was worried about it. And she was just so tired of all this pain. And this neighbor says, you just got to think positively. <laughs> it's like, my God. I, uh, I have this, this autoimmune disorder that causes incredible amounts of pain. <laughs> and it's geez. just that,
0: that's, you know, one example of irritating positivity culture. But, you know, well, or just. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's about commodification, right? Like as, yeah. as you've said, liberal, liberalism, it commodifies self care by using this psychological tool like oh well it's only your own, it's your own fault for not thinking nicely you know mm-hmm. and it blames the individual it blames the victim
1: mm-hmm. like a psychological marketing tool mm-hmm. buy yourself out of this buy yourself out of this this horrible situation you're in this chronic pain you're in or this depression you're in or this poverty you're in it's going to be a quick fix for all of that rather yeah. than fixing the really
0: broken society as a whole right Exactly. And, you know, the self-care industry has, it, it is really an industry that spans multiple industries. Mm-hmm. And it's geared towards people, it's geared towards making people consumers, hyper consumption, actually. Yeah. You know, mass consumers, capitalism needs us to be sick and stressed and worried and anxious because once we feel that way, then we're going to buy something to relieve that stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, Capitalism both makes us sick and anxious and then sells us these sort of superficial tools that might momentarily make us feel less stressed and anxious, but don't actually get rid of the root cause of the stress and anxiety that we feel. And the other thing is capitalism also robs us of our time, the most Mm -hmm. precious, the most precious thing of all, which we, nobody will ever get more of. You know, you can have all the money in the world, you will never get more time. So once we don't have time, then we have we are more tempted to buy these shortcuts, you know, whether it's a day at the spa totally. or something like that. Or we think that, you know, if we get a, a manicure, somehow that's going to relieve our problems. And it might, for a temporary period of time, make us feel like we're feeling better. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't actually get rid of the underlying problem. And in fact, it can make it worse because there are people who become so obsessed with consuming self-care items and products and services that they run themselves into debt and, you know, end up mm-hmm. co- costing oh. themselves a lot. Yeah. And uh, just to quote the Socialist Revolution article again, it says, uh, millennials spend the most on self-care products. Millennials are also part of the group most affected by suicidality or suicidal thoughts. So the fact that millions of young people choose to spend their limited funds on self-care is indicative of a deep dissatisfaction with capitalist society. Yes,
1: that's perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I know we have some stats uh, about the industry that spans many industries that includes the commodification.
1: Yeah. So wealth, uh, health, wealth. (laughs) It's a very wealthy industry. Let's put it that way. (laughs) The wellness and health industry. Wellness and health industry is a $4.5 trillion global industry a year. Mm. That's insane.
0: Yeah, it makes up uh, about 5.3% of the entire global economic output. So wow. everything that, yeah, the entire planet's global economic output, about 5.3%, probably mm-hmm. more, I would say. At least that much is... uh part of this wellness and health industry. And that doesn't, it's not the medical industry. That's the privatized, individualized wellness and health industry that we're talking exactly. about.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's not public health care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's for sure. But it's like what you said earlier, Kieran. you know, capitalism needs us to be unwell. It needs us to, to be a consumer of a product, right? They have to make consumers almost, right, in order to create these products for us to buy, 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 buy. So personal care, beauty and anti-aging. You know, that's predominantly a gender based, you know, mostly women, women identify people are going to spend money on this. That is a lot of money. That's 1.83 trillion a year. Healthy eating, nutrition, weight loss, you know, organic food culture would fit into that as well. 702 billion a year. Like, Mm. wow.
0: Yeah, these are big numbers we're dealing with. Uh, there's something called wellness tourism, which is the whole bougie touring, you know, going to hot springs and going to special <laughs> spas around the world. Um, that's itself a $639 billion industry.
1: Wow. Wow. Fitness and body, body-mind, you know, so this meditation, body, fitness, yoga would classify under this. $595 billion. Preventative mm-hmm. and personalized medicine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And public health is $575 billion.
0: Then there's the wellness lifestyle real estate, which is $134 billion. The spa economy, which is $119 billion. Mm. The thermal mineral springs industry, which is $56 billion.
1: I haven't even heard of some of these things.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what do you think the wellness lifestyle real estate is?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing like retreats and things like that, but that seems like a lot. But I guess it's a big business, you know, for people.
1: Or I guess it maybe you buy a spa on a ranch somewhere or something. I don't I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, workplace wellness. There's another big, big thing where you know self care is like taught in the workplace. So workplace wellness is a forty eight billion dollar a year mm-hmm. industry. And you know, and like the the a lot of these wellness things, like the I would imagine wellness tourism and. You know, yoga and mind, body and positivity culture. A lot of that stuff is like, you know, another aspect to this, this whole industry is like where bougie white folks like Gwyneth Paltrow, what's, what's the name? It's, it's Goop. Yeah. Is it Goop? Okay. Goop. Yeah. So I guess she has this, this Goop article or blog, but it's now going to become a TV show, supposedly. And, um, there's a really big profit for these folks in appropriation of other people's cultures and traditions to make their profits, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is so colonial white privilege type of thing. It really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shades of Noir in the UK, they have an article about that very kind of thing about the privilege of bougie white folks like Gwyneth Paltrow. Being able to take other people's cultures and make a shit ton of money off of it and, and really distorting these traditions and cultures too, right? Right. So that's something I think is a little gross thing about this liberal self-care industry as well that I think yeah. needed to be mentioned.
0: You know, the same things that bougie white folks like Gwyneth Paltrow are able to co-opt and use as, you know, just something, you know, like a lifestyle, uh, L.A. lifestyle, you know, upper class white sort of bougie like hobby or something. The same practices are used by Indigenous people around the world. And they're, you know, a lot of times they've been oppressed and suppressed, right? And uh, exactly. including in Canada, including in Canada, right? So mm-hmm. I know that we have, uh, I know you have some stories to tell about that too, right?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, like even, so yeah, something like the sweat lodge. The sweat lodge is a, is a very spiritual, um, medicinal, uh, traditional, sacred, traditional practice with many uh, Indigenous people of, of Canada turtle island and throughout the world for that matter there's diff- there's different forms of sweat lodges or sweats but seeing this this bougie appropriation in in practice is just infuriating you know because it was criminalized these traditional indigenous practices where and, and spiritual practices were criminalized in canada and mm-hmm. you know now you have this 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 bougie Group of, of white settlers totally making profits off of them. And, and Mm -hmm. they're not even, they're not even handed down these rituals in a very, you know, organic traditional way half the time. And it's, it's gross because a lot of these things you shouldn't be charging money for anyways. If you were an indigenous person, you wouldn't be charging money for them. You'd be going and you'd be seeing an elder and you'd be doing it in a very ritualistic traditional way, not like selling it for the sake of profit. And it's just a gross, gross, gross thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, cultural appropriation is its own huge topic. And I think that there are ways that liberals can co-opt the very argument, the very discussion itself, and make it yeah. all about, you know, they make it all about liberal identity politics. But there's a whole yes. Marxist analysis that we could do on it. And we will. We will come to back to that in a later episode.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: But I wanted to get into uh, the gendered aspect of self-care as well. You know, a lot of times self-care is seen as a feminized industry itself or a feminized idea. So only women and women identified or feminized people are seen as, you know, caring about things like self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, men and male identified people are supposed to not really care about self-care you know if you if you are a man then you know you you don't want candles when you know you don't you don't take baths baths are for women you know and um,
1: flowers in your baths
0: (laughs) yeah or if you if you if you even have a candle in your house you know it'll be a black square candle right because you're a man and men can only have square things um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, there's this other aspect of uh, self care, which I think is male self care, which is like this self improvement culture, you know, this whole industry around these young men who get sort of led into more and more right wing ideas. So for example, they might be suffering, genuinely suffering in many ways, you know, in their life, whether economically or socially or mm-hmm. psychologically. And they might end up, some of these young men, they get, and they end up sort of convening around these ideas of self. They focus intensely on things like earning and investing money, developing physical strength and increasing social connections. And they get pulled into these directions, uh, which seem like very positive things to them when they're doing it. But they get pulled into these directions by people like, for example, Jordan Peterson and Mm -hmm. the whole industry around you know the um, incel self improvement community which they don't call it that obviously I mean, they might call it self-improvement, but you know, there's a there's a very strong anti-leftist culture that is built in these things. It's very individualist, very macho, very toxic masculinity kind of thing. Hmm. And these young men, they're they're taught, they're shown that their goal should be to become self-reliant and to restore traditional notions of masculinity, you know, and to pull Mm -hmm. yourself up by your bootstraps and work hard to earn your place in the world. And there's a real focus on entrepreneurialism and on capitalism, you know.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: And the focus is to find a romantic partner start a family and these things are shown as not things that people should be working towards and making themselves better so that they attract people and they are better people but as something that they're entitled to you know as (laughs) something that they you know like I'm gonna lift some weights and now I'm entitled to every woman that I might find attractive Mm -hmm. you know and it becomes just this way for men, for young men to be given these very toxic ideas, which leads them into right-wing politics if, you know, if they weren't already present in their minds. Yeah. And these anti-left sentiments that get pulled, you know, and we've seen this all over the internet. For example, if you go on YouTube, you watch any one of these kinds of videos, all of a sudden you get into this rabbit hole and all the videos that show up in your news on your on your feed are will be like Jordan Peterson videos, will be Joe Rogan videos, you know, with wow. like yeah. Elon musk and things like that and you end up like just being part of this ecosystem where all you hear are these men telling you to be men you know to be manly and to be and there's no real analysis from a materialist standpoint from a from a gender standpoint from a racial standpoint and analyzing capitalism and why what is the source of the alienation that these young men might feel
1: exactly yeah, it's not because you're you're you know losing your masculinity because there's there's some a little bit of movement towards equity for 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 women, for instance, or or for LGBTIQ people. You know, like you're you're <laughs> you are being alienated, not demasculated. You're being alienated because of capitalism. Like there's yeah, it's it's such a frustrating thing. But it's almost like hearing you're saying that they're really upholding uh the algorithms, for instance, are sort of pummeling these, uh these different rabbit holes at people in order to sort of like sell and continue to uphold patriarchy at the end of the day, right?
0: Absolutely. Western
1: capitalist chauvinism.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating to look at the intersection between patriarchy and, you know, reinforcement of capitalism, and white supremacy, they're all they all kind of converge in this, culture in that young white men, especially, uh, but all kinds of men, not just white men, I've seen non white men being sucked into this kind of um wormhole, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing.
1: And the thing is, if if you know, there's, there's so few people that actually benefit from the patriarchy or capitalism, it's so, so few, you know, globally. So it's like, you can't have self-care in capitalism unless you're one of those very very few people that can benefit from it like a jordan peterson Mm -hmm. you know he's probably doing just fine with his self-care
0: well actually let me just tell you he's not doing fine his book came out interesting and his life has been has gone down the shitter recently so anyway that's a whole other thing but um, yeah so apparently all that positive self-talk didn't do much for him so (laughs) um apparently material reality (laughs) is what determines reality, you know, so there's that. But there's, yeah, there's definitely um, this sense of entitlement that gets reinforced in these men, in these young Mm -hmm. men, and the traditional notions of patriarchal uh, family, patriarchal view of women, Mm -hmm. patriarchal view of uh, non-gender conforming people and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, let's let's talk about how we might expand self-care into a socialist, Marxist, communist Framework. Is there a way that we can do that? What would that look like? And it, the original idea for this came after I heard a little talk by Angela Davis on radical self-care. And we're going to play that right now. Okay.
2: Anyone who's interested in making change in the world also has to learn how to take care of herself, himself, their self. For a long time, activists um, did not necessarily think that it mattered uh, to um, take care of themselves in terms of what they eat, in terms of mental uh, self-care, corporal self-care, spiritual self-care. I know that there were some people who emphasized it. I'm thinking about uh, one of the leaders of the Black Panther Party, Erica Huggins, who began to practice yoga and meditation in the 70s and she encouraged many people including Huey Newton and Bobby Zeal to join that practice I think they did a little bit of it but I think a movement would have been very different had we understood the importance uh, of that kind of self-care personally I started practicing yoga and meditation when I was in jail um, but it was more of an individual practice. Uh, Later, I had to recognize um, the importance of emphasizing the collective character of that work on the cell. Well, it means that um, we're able to bring our entire selves into the movement. Uh, It means that we incorporate into our work as activists ways of um, acknowledging and hopefully also uh, moving beyond trauma. It means a holistic approach, I think. I think longevity is important, and not simply individual longevity. It is um, equally important to recognize that as we develop our movement today, we're creating a terrain uh, for the emergence of of new activists, Uh, and what we do today has an impact on what younger people will be able to do tomorrow. I think we have to imagine ourselves as connected to people who came before us, um, and to those who will come after us. Black people all over the world have been subjected to the most unimaginable forms of violence, uh, slavery, uh, torture. But at the same time, and this is what black people have offered the world, um, we've also produced beauty, uh, music, and art. uh, And I think that the self-care that gets um, produced by black people recognizes the connection between struggle and art and, and, and beauty and the imagination. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous uh, not to recognize that as we struggle, we are attempting to presage the world to come. And the world to come should be one in which we acknowledge uh, the um, collectivity and connections and, and relations and joy and and if we don't start practicing collective self-care now um, there's no way uh, to imagine much less reach a time of freedom so yeah that piece on
1: radical self-care is, Bang on. I mean, I, I do think that was a good inspiration. This, that video was a great inspiration for this, for this topic. I think as, uh, activists, as communists, as socialists, Marxists, we really struggle with caring for ourselves, caring for ourselves in the climate of, of imperialism and capitalism. And it's an important thing to do, uh, for all the reasons Angela Davis said. We need that energy. We need that. We need to be supportive of each other and we need that collective care. Another incredible woman, Audre Lorde, she stated that for racialized women, quote unquote, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. I just love that. You know, an act of political warfare as an activist, as a racialized person, as somebody who's marginalized. So socialists and communists are totally marginalized in capitalism. So when we look after ourselves for this fight we are doing an act of political warfare and i think that's so boom bang on
0: yeah definitely so
1: we're in canada we're, we're you know we're looking at all of the alienation factors that that make us feel anxious and depressed and then it's like we're in this rat race of a lot of us are working two jobs we're not getting paid enough even from those two jobs to afford our, our a decent house there's so many things that we struggle with on a day to day basis. And Kieran, you mentioned time earlier. In capitalism, we don't have time to actually just t- stop, take a breath and look after ourselves, right? Like we really don't. And, and it's, it's tricky. Self care is tricky in, in this, um, in this environment. Like yeah. I wish we were more like Cuba.
0: <laughs> well, Cuba, like we discussed in the, COVID-19 episode where we analyzed socialist countries' response to the pandemic as well as U.S. and Canada's response. Cuba has an, an amazing high-quality healthcare system, and it's, it's based on prevention as well as treatment. It's, yeah. you know, they center the community. It's all community-focused. It's very customized to the community and to the individual, down to the individual person, right? Collective if- care. Exactly. And it focuses on disease prevention. So, you know, we're going to link to some articles about the Cuban healthcare system again, which we also did before, but we'll do it again. And it's really amazing how they do it. The world has so much to learn from the Cuban healthcare system. If only we were able to just apply some of these ideas. They have healthcare is just woven into everyday social life in Cuba it's not something that you pay for out of you know once a year to go get a physical prevention the disease prevention the physical healthcare the physical fitness these things are incorporated into everyday life the doctors and nurses live within the communities that they yeah. serve and yeah. they know the people personally you know that they serve so it's just very interesting
1: so it's highly accessible Essentially, exactly, because like in Canada, we have a public healthcare system, but it's not necessarily accessible for a lot of people, right? If particularly mm-hmm. if you're living outside of urban centers, or if you're a racialized people, or if you're transgendered, there's a lot of discrimination that happens, and we've we've heard a lot about it in the status quo media, the bougie media lately. Even they've had to cover uh, some of the racial discrimination that happens in our capitalist public healthcare system. But yeah, having accessible preventative healthcare, I think is key to collective care. And that's, right. you know, that's what we want to get to as socialists, right? Is that looking out for each other.
0: And, you know, again, it comes back down to time. I mean, you know, in Canada, for example, not everybody can afford to go to the gym. F- financially, yeah. you can't afford afford the gym, you know, they cost 40, 50, 60, $70 a month. And, time-wise, you can't always take time out to go to the gym, even if you could afford it, Yeah, and, you know, or if you could uh, do something. You A lot of times, you don't have the time, and when you do have a few, you know, an hour to yourself, you're so exhausted from all the stuff you have to do and you're just to stay alive, that yeah. you know, the last thing you want to do is lift weights. And I know that, you know, that's, <laughs> I've been in this case, I've been exactly in that situation where all I want to do is veg, because I'm so exhausted, you know, yeah. so So it can become, and it can become a vicious cycle where it ends up making you feel worse. It ends up worsening your mental health, which makes it harder to actually pick up and go and do the things that you need to do to feel better. So it becomes a, yeah, it just becomes a a vicious cycle in itself. You know, self-care and capitalism is set up to fail. It's actually set up to fail. Its goal is to keep you feeling that you're never really good enough so that you keep buying more stuff. But as socialists, you know, it is our goal and it should be our goal to be healthy and to be well enough so that we can organize for change. Yes. You know, we we cannot help anyone else. We cannot do anything for other people if we are unhealthy, if we are falling apart. Exactly. So, you know, we need to make an effort to organized to, to motivate others to work towards a systemic change and structural change that will make us all healthier. But in order to get there, we also have to be healthy now in terms of how we approach the idea of health and nutrition and mm-hmm. fitness. So mm-hmm. it is our responsibility to as socialists to try to find ways to make self-care into a communal care.
1: Yes. Totally. Like Mark said, in fact, nothing stands in the way of self-enrichment and genuine individualism more than capitalism. So there you go. The liberal idea of self-care is actually, you know, a contradiction yet again, right? You know, the longevity of self-care versus instant commodified health care has to do with collective care, community care. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking, too, like even in the workplace, you know, if we see people like, for instance, during a pandemic, you know, and we just know that there's going to be single moms that we're working with that aren't going to be able to have the same amount of energy coming into work that maybe somebody who doesn't have children will. You know, so how, how, how can we then help? That's that collective self care. So an example of that would be, Hey, what can I do for you today? I have more energy today. Like, why don't you go home three hours early and I won't say a word and I'm going to do what you can do if that's possible, right? like there's right. there's so many little ways that we can collectively look out for each other and maybe that's not the best example but i'm just trying to think of do you have any example maybe of like even in organizing groups or at committees or anything like that
0: Kirin? well we have to think about self-care as both the things that we do for ourselves as individuals but and how we can do that in ways that are non-toxic yeah and how we can help other people in our community and in our organizing spaces take care of themselves and how we can do things together that will be, be- that will benefit everybody. So I think that, you know, part of it is uh, making sure that there's childcare available mm-hmm. as much as possible or there's transportation available for people right. who, are, who might be going to an action or going somewhere. Um, making sure that people are not Going hungry, you know, making sure a lot of what our comrades do in terms of supporting people who are at risk of eviction or people who are unhoused is part of self-care. It's all part of self-care because how can you have any self-care if you don't have a house? How can you do self-care if you are, you know, if you don't have food to eat, if you can't feed your family or if you are, you know, malnutrition and all you can afford is, you know, canned soup, right? Yeah. So... Those things matter. And we as socialists and as organizers need to think about, you know, not just our own self-care, but also communal self-care or communal yeah. care.
1: Yeah. Well, you just mentioned what long- longevity of self-care looks like, right? Which is like our comrades, Aliza and Ali Khan. And they are the activism that, that we do and they do is about preserving the resources that we need for basic fundamental care of ourselves right even though we might be um, housing stable right now but it doesn't mean that we are always going to be housing stable because we're just part of the working class so we need to get out there and fight to make sure that everybody's always going to have housing security right and not be evicted yeah it's always going to have food security and not go hungry
0: And as we get older, this is only going to be mattering more and more because the social structures that have even been there at all in terms of like old age security and things like that and public health, those are getting depleted. And those of us who are in our 20s, 30s and 40s, as we face you know, an old age without even those meager social safety nets, life is going to get very hard and we need to work on bettering our society and making social... Socialist socialism a reality in order for us to make sure that even our own old age is not in absolute dire straits and include yeah. and for people who are already in those positions now yeah. you know but there are things that we do when we first started this episode we were looking at what it is that we can do as individuals as well as as communal self care and some of the things that come to mind are basic things like trying to eat as healthy as possible that yeah. doesn't mean that we will always eat healthy that's not possible I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, but when you can, but when you can.
0: And making small changes, you know, I started to put a lot more lettuce and cucumber and tomatoes in my in my sandwiches. You know, if if I'm not going to eat salads twice a day, I can at least include more vegetables in my other food items, you know. Trying to sleep at least most days for at least eight hours a day, if yeah. possible. It's not always possible for people. There, it's people. there are a lot of people who are running on four or five hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. And it's very unhealthy. Sleep is where your body heals itself. Sleep is where your body builds up its own immune system. It's very important that we try to get eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. taking yeah. taking walks is important you know as much as possible if we can do no other kind of exercise we should be taking walks we should be walking like half hour a day doesn't have to be very stringent you don't even have to go out of breath just moving your body for half an hour a day is very important as well as having some kind of creative outlet whether even if it's just journaling or doodling or drawing <laughs> Or anything, you know, it could be anything like that. So I think those are... Playing
1: a ukulele.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, if if you're into an instrument or something or singing, I know you're into singing, Moxie. Mm -hmm. You know, having something where you're doing something nourishing for your soul, you know, it can really help. And it can kind of put you in a different mindset than just, you know, being... I know for myself, I spend a lot of time reading really bad news about what's going on in the world. It's hard for me to sometimes get away, but playing music sometimes really helps me. I I make digital music, so it's it's really nice to be able to do that. So those are just some basic, simple tips about what we could do for ourselves.
1: Yes, I completely agree, especially that creative component. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have to take a lot of physical energy. It's like that emotional, um, and spiritual aspect to feed ourself, right? Creativity and art and music that really feeds our spirit. So like, and I try and look at health and self care, collective self care as being these four components. We have emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. And those are all important things. And I know it's really hard to incorporate, you know, two out of those four. Something good <laughs> for two of those things each day, but I try really hard. Lately, I've actually taken a break a, a lot more time away from social media, mm. like, and being very deliberate about it. And I've even taken it off my phone for a few days at a time, like my, my social media apps so that I don't feel the need to just impulsively click on them when I open my phone. And that is super helpful because what I do in the, instead of, Spending all these hours on social media is I'm reading the pamphlet that I haven't, that I've been wanting to read for the last month, or I'm actually fiddling around on my ukulele, or I'm crafting a pair of earrings. You know, I, I do think the social media breaks are, are important. I think going out in nature, I've been doing that a lot um, and it's stunning out and we've been having some nice sunny days and I walk my dog and I apologize if you if you hear a bit of her in the background. She likes a lot of attention <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm a bit of an extrovert. So I actually like to walk, to go on walks with people if I don't have my dog with me. Yeah. And, and I think regular things like following up with your healthcare providers is important. Drinking lots of water. And I also think it's okay to be fucking angry at stuff. Vent. Get mad. Let it out. Whether that's creatively, whether it's talking with one of your comrades, get mad at things. It's okay. Because I think the more angry we can get, then the more we want to move to make change. And that goes into that collective self care and longevity of self care because we want to organize for the future of our own selves and our communities. Right? Totally. So yeah, get mad. Because there's a lot to be mad at, Kieran. (laughs) Uh,
0: There is. And you know what? I read somewhere once that depression is anger turned inwards, where we might be angry at something, but we don't feel like we can express that anger, and we end up directing it towards our own self. Yeah. And as somebody who has been, you know, battling clinical depression for many, many years, Mm -hmm. I can tell you that that sounds, that rings true with me, that really does, that whenever i suppress my own anger i'm more depressed you know and when i'm when i find a way to channel it in something in some positive or constructive way let's say yeah i end up feeling less depressed and this is one of the reasons why i do what i do this is one of the reasons why i do any kind of activism or any kind of movement building mm-hmm. is because it actually helps me direct my anger in something positive
1: exactly and, you know, going back to that, you know, those positivity, the positivity culture in, in a liberal mm-hmm. capitalist society, this is something completely different than positivity culture, right? Because liberals would go, Oh, that's not being very positive. If you're so angry all the time and you're so angry all the time, you're out there screaming at rallies and doing, yeah, we're, we're because we, we care about things and because we love so deeply and because it's important to, do something with that anger that is not internalizing it. So that is positivity in a socialist way.
0: (laughs) No, totally. Absolutely. And, you know, you brought up the word love. And I think that that's really the big point is that your self-care for yourself and for your community and, you know, for the people that you're working with and organizing with, it should be based on love it yeah. should be based in a real feeling of love. And uh, like Che Guevara said, that every great revolutionary operates from a place of love. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, love is, uh, is should be the basis of our revolution, should be the basis of our activism. And mm-hmm. we should be coming from a place of love. And when we do that, we will find the right ways to do things. Mm-hmm. And of course, I mean, that includes knowing, you know, some technical things like, you know, drinking lots of water, like you said, and mm-hmm. going around and spending time in nature, um things like that. Just just uh, last weekend, I went to this new park that I discovered near my place and spent some time by the river. Yes. And I I didn't even know this place was there. And, you know, it was just out, it was kind of a surprise. And I felt rejuvenated in a way that I haven't felt in a long time, you know, because I've been so cooped up with the pandemic and things like that. So, But also
1: know. discovery, discovering new things. So, because you mentioned right in there, that place you hadn't been there before that you didn't know it was there. Hmm. Every time I discover somewhere new in nature or even like a new book, it's like, Oh, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I'm like, oh, Hey, I forgot I had that right on. And there's, there's something exciting and it brings me joy around discovery or even just dis- something as simple as discovering um, a new alleyway when you're walking a dog with a, a really cool art graffiti there. You know, it's like, it's totally. awesome, right?
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's one of the reasons I love to, I used to love to travel. Now nobody's traveling anywhere. But that's one of the things I love about traveling.
1: But you've traveled in your in your neighborhood and you found a place, you, you discovered something. So yeah. I know it's not the same as traveling. Yeah. But... It is yeah. about discovery.
0: No, it's, it is something. It is good. And there are ways to travel around, in, including in the place where you live or nearby towns or something like that. You know, there can be some, some great places that you have yet to discover, little nooks and crannies, like you said. Yeah. So yeah, we've come up with a few ideas here, and I'm sure that uh, people in our audience can come up with even more ideas, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send us a message on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Red Life Podcast, or you can use hashtag RLP Community Care, RLP Community Care on Twitter, we'll try to find all of the ideas, gather them together, send us your ideas for self-care for yourself as an organizer or as a socialist as well as for communal care what can, what can you imagine could be helpful for doing communal care you know like especially in the time of pandemic you know maybe there could be classes that could be held online on doing things like yoga or or special kinds of exercises that you can do at home Yeah, Or there could be, yeah, there could be like cultural events that we could hold online, right? Or we could get together and have writing groups and we could actually encourage each other to write. So, you know, things like that. So and if there are other ideas, please send them to us. We would love to hear from you. And we might, you know, follow up on this topic in another episode and share some of those ideas as well.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I mean, it'd be wonderful if we can get this whole resource of free and accessible ways and links and and places to go, etc, where we can start to share with each other that helps us with our own wellness and sense of well-being. So yeah, this was really great discussion. Kieran, thank you for this.
0: Yeah, no, this was great. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's a topic that's close to my heart. I really do care about self-care. I, at the same time, I don't like the way that It's grounded in this liberal ideology and I want to separate it and I want to get some kind of kernel of truth out of it and uh, apply it and and bring that to a socialist world where we can still be socialist. We don't have to be socialist and be martyrs. You know what I mean? We can be socialist and still be healthy people. So that's the idea that uh, that I had when I first uh, wanted to talk about this.
1: Yes, exactly, Karen. I agree 100%.
0: Yeah, it's really important that we keep in mind, even as we go about organizing, that there are, that we should be sharing the work with others, you know, that we shouldn't take on too much and that we should keep an eye out when we see somebody else taking on too much work and try to see what we can do to alleviate that for them. That's important too. Thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Take care, everyone. Thank you so much. Till next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Life Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already done so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at Red Life Podcast. And please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Podcast. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.